In no way is the information provided in this podcast meant to be a substitute for psychological treatment. If you require psychological services, it is your responsibility to seek out the attention of a mental health professional. 24-7, The Working Parent Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Psychology Foundation of Canada in partnership with Workplace Strategies for Mental Health, an initiative of the Great West Life Centre for Mental Health in the Workplace. We recently conducted a survey with working parents with the goal of better understanding their everyday challenges in order to help find ways to support them as they juggle parenting and work life. The results from this survey, along with an outpouring of questions sent to us by parents in the workforce across Canada, will shape the discussion of this podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Naranya and a dad of a one-year-old as well as a working parent. And I'm happy to be the host of 24-7 The Working Parent Podcast, which was created to provide tips and strategies to address the challenges of working parents from all across Canada. Welcome to our listeners and our psychologists. Today I am joined by... Hi, my name is Dr. Rebecca Pillay Riddell. I'm a York University scientist who specializes in early child development and a clinical and health psychologist registered to treat adults and children. I am also a wrangler of two spirited daughters who are aged nine and 11 years old. Hello, uh, my name is Dr. Robin Alter and I am a child clinical psychologist. I've been in practice for many, many wonderful years and um, I've tried to make it a point of learning from all of the families and children that I've worked with all these years. I um, am the author of uh, a couple of books on anxiety, uh, one to help parents, anxiety and the gift of imagination, and one for kids uh, called the Anxiety Workbook for Kids. And I am a step uh, parent, stepmother, and I have, uh, uh, I'm also a grandmother. Welcome and thank you again for joining us. We've received a lot of questions from parents, so let's get right into it. This question comes from Pierre in Quebec. My teenage son has just made it into an advanced science class that requires a much larger workload, and I'm worried about if he can manage it or if I will have the time to help him if he needs it. So managing his own time as well as helping his son if need be, how does one accomplish those things? Well, congratulations, Pierre. Congratulations to your son. Sounds like he did a lot of hard work. It paid off, and maybe you were a part of that too in encouraging him and helping him develop some pretty good um, academic skills and work habits so that he could accomplish this. And maybe he's got some talent. So I, my questions are, you know, I wonder, it sounds like you're concerned about the time management and the workload. I wonder if he is also worried about that. And, um, you know, this is a good time to have that conversation. Um, you know, if he is, um, you know, what are the things that you might be able to do to support him? You know, reminders about things, you know, not procrastinating. I know some kids, uh, get into these situations because they're very, very bright and they may not have developed those good study skills. And as you advance in school, the workload gets harder and harder and just managing all of the work becomes more and more of a problem. Um, I would also say that I see a lot of kids who don't allow others to help them. 
you know, and seem to feel the need to do everything by themselves. Even though when we get out of school and into the workplace, people work collaboratively and on teams. And so the ability to allow other people to help you is really a good skill to, to learn. So, um, you know, there, there's lots of opportunities here for some growth and, and uh, you know, I think it's great that you want to be helpful. And it sounds like you're questioning, you know, what are the things that would be, that might be helpful. And for that, I think you need to talk to your side. Well, it would be, it, it would certainly be helpful, I think, if to have an open discussion about how the subject is going, because I, for myself personally, I was a terrible procrastinator. And the only time things got done was when it was due the next day. And that created stress for me. And I certainly know it created stress for my parents. So if you have an open discussion and conversations as to how the subject's going, it may help with the stress of the son to know dad cares, but also may help Pierre in knowing, okay, this is how it's going. And if the, he needs to step in, then the, he knows the opportunity is there, but not to have to worry about it constantly. Yeah. Well, so you're sort of suggesting wait and see how it goes. Well, not let necessarily. It, let him try that. it. You know, see it initially and see if he needs help. Which no. is, you know, that might might work. You know, mm -hmm. but then again, the son might be concerned too at this point. You know, he may have bitten off a lot to chew here, mm -hmm. and uh, there might be some proactive things that they can do beforehand if they put them in place. So uh, having a schedule, whether that's an agenda, which I think everybody has at some point in school, or breaking down how work's gonna get done, so that way his time for the both of them is used efficiently? Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's in an advanced science class, but I'm sure he has other classes yeah. also. So it's not just managing the science class, but it's also managing the whole workload. And, you know, figuring out how, you know, when do you start this? You know, I, a lot of kids complain about, you know, everything is due at the same time. There's that crunch at the end of the term. You know, how to avoid that because that's when grades really deteriorate if you've waited until the last minute and there mm -hmm. really is not enough time to get it all done. Our next question comes from Carrie. My four-year-old daughter is having struggles adapting to getting up and going to school every day. She started stalling in the morning as long as she can before I essentially have to push her out the door. How do I make her feel more at ease with this new routine? I think for something like this, one, we have to recognize at four, you know, being able to assert my independence and my will is an important developmental milestone. And so that my I... My daughter's doing it already. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we, we at, even at two, it lasts until, I'm, I'm guessing, 20 at this point. But um, this idea that the, she's stalling and is, is trying to figure out a few things. I think as a psychologist for a moment, not just a parent, I, I'd wonder if, if everything's okay at school. Because especially at the age of four, preschool is very play-based in, in um, most school boards across the country. And so this idea that they enjoy going to school is an important thing. So I just want to make sure that we take a sidestep for a moment just to, to address that and making sure everything's okay, that they're, they're playing, they're eating, that sort of check-in. But then if everything's okay and she's just stalling, does she, and she, it's not about either something at school or that she wants more time with you, because that could be another thing. Well, and there could be a change in routine overall if the child's used to spending more time with mom and or dad than normal. So would it be, how would you normalize the new routine to ease the child, whether that may be anxiety or just missing mom or dad? Yeah, I think it depends on what it is, and that's why it's important to kind of ask your child in a developmentally appropriate way. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and again, not as a, 
an interrogation, but rather as something like a conversation about, so who did you play with today? And so not yes or no questions, I think, you know, those sorts of tips. when you're Something open-ended. Something open-ended to kind of ask them, that would be great. Um, I think that if it is about time, making sure that they're like, if you go to school today and it's about wanting to spend more time, how about on Saturday? So kind of the redirect to say, well, this is what you want and this is what I need. I need you to go to school and this is what I want. How about we do what I want here and you will get this. Now at four, their idea of how long they'll be able to remember that is, you know, it's, it's developing and it's a good thing. But the other thing is trying to use behavioral modification, so reward charts. So, you know, getting stickers and being able to earn something at the end of the day. So every morning, is it going to be, you know, a special treat in the car or is it going to be, but that idea is that they're at every step of the way, you kind of break down for the child, this is what they do. Using pictures in your, in your chart is really important because they don't, um, they're not necessarily reading yet. And so that idea that they can visually see what they have to do helps them feel organized and staying consistent. Well, do you think some of it may come from control as well? Because there's only so much that they can control in their day. Like if I don't move, I think I won't have to go to where I don't want to go. Absolutely. I think giving them choices about now, do you want to eat breakfast first or do you want to uh, get dressed first? So, you know, these are things, even if it doesn't make as much sense, allowing them to pick what they wear. So what do you want to wear today? You know, I think I've sent my children in, you know, many different things. <laughs> but I think the idea is that I pick my battles. And so ultimately, I want my child fed. I want them on time. I want them dressed. And so how we get to that end point <laughs> can really be up to the child. And as long as if they understand that, that these are the things that we have to do and, and you have your, your visual uh, list and they get maybe treats or stars or those sorts of things. Those are really common ways to help children of that age kind of get through the adjustment to school. And being, I think I mentioned that before, but being consistent means really keeping that routine the same. So bedtime the same, making sure they get enough sleep because again, if they're not getting enough sleep, um, mm -hmm. you, you've lost the battle already. So really a good morning routine starts the night before. You know, I was wondering, Rebecca, if the four-year-olds sometimes watch television or get involved in screens, and, you know, those also can grab the child's attention and slow things down. You know, so, it, you know, it depends on what the morning routine is um, that might facilitate getting out of the door. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen screens be used, well, you can watch five minutes of a car cartoon if you go through this and being used as a reward. And I think at four, you know, um, what we don't want to encourage screens, that type of limit where it's a small reward at the end because it's more immediate. Mm -hmm. So at four, waiting till the end of the week is a, is a harder is a harder ask. It's eternity. It's an eternity. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Next question. I don't know how to approach my boss when my kid is sick and I have to stay home to take care of them. My boss has no kids. He totally doesn't understand and I feel guilty each time I ask so this is some time management and guilt involved so there's kind of two main problems how to how to fix this or address it <laughs> well I, I think a lot of people have this issue when work and it's important that you have boundaries between your work and home <clears throat> you have your home priorities you have your work priorities they're separate uh, just as your boss has his priorities. But um, I, I would ask what your contract is at work. You know, if you have a number of personal time, day time, personal time that you're allowed, then it's your time and you can use it when your child is sick. Um, and um, 
you're entitled to that time. There's no reason for you to feel guilty about that. Um, in fact, you haven't done anything wrong. You know, you have a young child at home. When a child is sick, that child needs care. And um, they generally want their, their moms or their dads or somebody that they feel secure with and they're comfortable with taking care of them. And if that's possible, that's the best. What? So Sorry. In, in the end, you're, you're hopefully your boss will respect your decision or he won't. But I'm telling you, you've, you've made the right choice for you and your family to take care of your kid. For in terms of using your personal sick days or um, personal days in general, what would you say to somebody who sa- who doesn't have those? Because you only have so many, and depending on what your career is, you're only given so many days off. So there might be guilt involved with I'm taking a day to spend with my child because they need it, but I'm also not getting paid on this day because there's that could be added another level of stress. Yeah, and and I think that there are are people too who have kids who aren't physically sick but are having trouble at school and people have to take their personal time days off um, for that. Um, It's a real conflict and I think a lot of parents struggle with this and um, sometimes I've seen in the past they end up taking a leave from their work because of the child's needs. Um, Sometimes they switch jobs, you know, um, and find a more flexible, a place that's more flexible. So I don't think there's an easy answer to this, except that, you know, in the end, your relationship with your child is a longer term relationship than your relationship with this particular boss or this particular job. There are a lot, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, every situation is different um, in this respect, how easy it is for somebody to get another job. So speaking of the difficulties with the relationship between children and their parents, this segues great into our next question, which is, I share custody with my spouse and the kids go back and forth between our homes. It seems like the first two days are horrible until we get into a groove. How do we make this easier for them? So that's also, that's a good question because a lot of parents and kids in this situation have this problem. And I think it's hard for a lot of us. The transitions are difficult. You know, even when we come up from work, the transition to home, the transition from home to school. We had another question before about the four-year-old doesn't want to leave home. Transitions are hard. So <clears throat> one of the things that has helped a lot of these families is to have routines so that when the kids, you know, coming back to your particular house, they know that certain things are going to happen. There's a, you know, kind of a transition routine. Maybe it's milk and cookies. Maybe it's... Um, um, you know, we go for a walk. Maybe it's that we, um, um, you know, have some kind of snack, a healthier snack than milk and cookies. But something that they know is going to happen that allows for um, them to anticipate it. It's comfortable. There's comfort in routines. And, um, um, you know, because it is difficult to go to a place where the rules are different, you One, know, and the expectations are different. That transition between the two homes, making sure there's consistency between the parents would be a detriment to the child if they were so inconsistent. So making sure that the parents are also on the same sort of basis would be important. Well, Kyle, that's ideal. But I think in the real world, I've, I've seen very little of that. I mean, when I see it, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But there was a reason why these parents separated and divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have very different styles of living, very different styles of parenting. and and 
both of them are okay, they're just different. Mm -hmm. And you know, kids learn how to deal with different expectations. The expectations at school are different than home, and they can actually learn that the expectations in two different homes are different, and that the environments are different. Sometimes the socioeconomic level is different. But, um, um, you know, they also need to learn how to deal with transitions, you know, that, that we all need, need to have certain routines, you know. Um, when I come home from work, I, I just look outside for a while, you know. I take in the trees and the birds and just let myself de-stress a little bit before I start my evening. So that's my routine. You know, so, so you know, you need to figure out something that might work for your kids. Uh, what find their de-stressor. That, yeah, find what what works for them. You know, whether it's music or reading a story or you know, lots of things can can work. Just do them and do them regularly so that they can look forward to it, anticipate it. And this is our transition activity. You know, what could that be? Carpool karaoke. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. For more information and tips, go to www.psychologyfoundation.org or www.workplacestrategiesformentalhealth.com and tune in next time to hear more helpful advice from our psychologists. 24-7, The Working Parent Podcast.